Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Sarah Pascoe. Hello, I'm Carrie Lloyd, And we're weird about books. We love to read. We read too much. We talk too much. About the too much that we've read. Which is why we've created The, the Weirdos, Weirdos Book Club. Join us! A space for the lonely outsider to feel accepted and appreciated. A place for the person who'd love to be in a real book club but doesn't like wine or nibbles. Or being around other people. Is that you? Join us. Check out our Instagram at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. You can read along and share your opinions. Or just skulk around in your raincoat like the weirdo you are. Thank, Thank you for reading with us. We, we like reading with you. This week's book guest is English Passengers by Matthew Neal. What's it about? It's a multi-character exploration of a British merchant ship sailing towards Tasmania and the indigenous population of Tasmania who they find there. What qualifies it for the Weirdos Book Club? Well, there's a weird vicar for one and a guy called Quibbly. In this episode, we discuss the Garden of Eden, rum, tea, charities, straight lines, guilt, imperial decisions and the Isle of Man. And joining us this week is Satnam Sangera. Satnam is a journalist and author. He wrote Empire Land, which is a huge bestseller, and has now released Empire World. Trigger warning, in this episode we discuss racism, racial genocide, sexual assault, rape and graphic imagery. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I love this part of London. It's a great part it's of London. Nice, isn't have it? I broken the fourth wall by mentioning? No, no. If we were based in a different part of London, you'd have said no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to the book podcast. Basically, yes. <laughs> so, we, so we had quite a unique situation with you because we wanted to talk about a novel that was sort of set in colonial history. Touched on em- themes empire, of empire. Themes of empire. Because you obviously wrote the brilliant Empire Land and now you have the amazing Empire World, which has just come out. So yeah, we wanted a kind of empire novel. We thought there'd be like an interesting crossover maybe. And so you selected this book, which Carrie and I would not have picked up. <laughs> no one would have, because everyone's no. forgotten it. I've totally forgot. I, I, funny enough, when I bought it, I was like, oh, that one. Yeah. And my husband said, oh God, yeah, that's the book that like stopped me reading because I just oh. couldn't get through it like in the year 2000. Well, oh, wow. I have to admit that I gave this book to a charity shop many, many years <laughs> yeah, ago yeah. and then was really surprised. The other book I did this with was Catch 22, where I okay. read 20 pages, thought it's not for <laughs> me. My favourite book of all time. And, and then you reread it and it's the funniest and I just thought, what was wrong with me? And I've had a very similar thing with this. Yes, like, what was my problem? This is a romp. Yeah, like, I know. It's a page turner. Why did hilarious. you choose it? What was it that... Well, I'm always complaining when I'm talking about empire, about how we have amnesia in this country, yeah. about how there's not much art 
Yes. Mm. Yeah, on Empire. Yeah. British Empire is the biggest thing we ever did as a nation. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that ever happened in the history of the world. Biggest empire in human history. Yeah. And yet not a huge amount of films on it. Mm-hmm. No, not many books. You know, we tend to concentrate on like, you know, the Tudors, Queen yeah. Victoria, yeah. World War One, World War Two, endlessly. Mm. And that is few, British history. You've summed it up. There. Basically, yeah. that is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about British Empire? And I'm always complaining about it. And actually, I only read this book six months ago. Someone oh, put it in my hand and said, "This is the most fascinating book you could read on Empire, mm. and it's about an episode of history." I write about an Empire Land. Mm. Yeah, I yes. thought that's mm. why you had chosen it because of Empire no, Land. I no, just picked it up, and I think it's absolutely. Fucking incredible! Yeah, it's so funny. It's it a funny. And it shouldn't somehow be. a funny, profound book about genocide. Yeah, yeah. 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 How yeah. is that possible? How is that possible? Yeah. And yeah, to do that, deal with that lightning. It's very interesting what you say about the absence of art about empire because Cariad, <laughs> she wrote her dissertation about how the absence of art about empire. Yeah, oh, about wow. how there's no, the yeah. British film industry. The reason it doesn't flourish is because it. Is this it? I can send you the dissertation if you'd like. Don't paraphrase your... I did. We both read... Let's have the full title, please. Well, I can't remember the full title. Basically, it was like, the reason there isn't a British film industry is we haven't dealt with our past. And the reason that European cinema, particularly German cinema, exists and has a very distinct style and lots of famous people like Vin Vendors is because they've dealt with their history. Precisely. Wow, yeah. I wish I'd read your dissertation. <laughs> my, I wish my tutors had been well, so next abused. episode, come back and we'll, yeah. do, we'll discuss Because I like compared Wings of Desire. Wings oh, of Desire, okay. which is all about Berlin and the history of Berlin and it's these angels walking around and it deals with it a bit like this in a very sideways view of what's happened. You know, it's not like a Schindler's List film where it's really telling you a story. It's looking at Berlin in the 90s and the what's left and going, why, did, why did, does our city look like this? And I point out that all British films are Merchant Ivory and beautiful, lovely, blonde-haired white ladies in white linen walking around fanning themselves. And there's no nothing that deals with empire. So you grow up knowing nothing about it. You don't understand it. And then it's very hard for a film industry to have a culture if you're not acknowledging the culture. Yeah, I guess we're not talking about indie films before everyone complains. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we're talking about writing, mainstream films. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And why is that? Art is about the uncomfortable truths of being yeah. a human being. And we're so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a taboo. Yeah, It's taboo. Almost. And like you've written in all your work, like if it's not at the basic level of education, if it's not something you encounter from like primary school onwards, then how can it be in your bones to understand why it exists and why I talk about it? Whereas like the Roman Empire, we all understand what that means, what the Romans were. We understand the jokes about Romans. There's quite a lot of films about like, it too. Like films about it. And it's something you can understand, digest. It's basically unprocessed history. Yeah, massively. And the Germans are really good at it. I, I talk about this in Empire yeah. Land, I guess. The Germans systematically go over the most painful things that ever happened yeah. to them. Yeah, and, and all of their films do. As a tourist, you can't walk around without being reminded, this happened here, yeah. this happened to this family here. I'm also obsessed with the Empire podcast, shout out, with William Dorimple and Anita Arnand. And you, I heard you on there saying one of the reasons like the difference is that one Germany inverted commas loses and because Britain was never invaded which I for me I was like wish I put that in my dissertation that's a oh, great point like we don't have those physical it's not in our country yeah. it's everything's happened over there el- history always happened elsewhere history yeah. happened and even the things I hear because of empire we don't think about it tea yeah, yeah. you know rum yeah all these things sugar. that exist sugar <laughs> yeah Street names. We just don't think about it, do we? I think, I think we get uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I think that uh, that little seesaw, and I know that you encounter the worst kind of people on this, but who want to be proud, like rule mm. Britannia about it, 
any information undermines that. But it's any be- information, also, so so there can't be any. Because yeah. you don't get it early on. Like if you had it early on, like, you know, you do with Henry VIII and like that kind of thing, yes, you'd yeah. be like, oh, I get it. Like yeah, he was, yeah. you know, he was a very successful king, but also bad to his wife. Okay, I've got that. I've <laughs> yeah, got and that two things what, can be true at yeah, the same like, time. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah like, well, okay, he yeah. did lots yeah, of work. Yeah, splitting from the church, yeah. splitting from the Pope, you know, had effects, positive and negative. Yeah. We don't have to go, don't you dare say anything about the Church of England. Yeah, op- and that's yeah. my conclusion of em- in Empire World. Opposite mm. things can be true at the same yeah. time. And yeah. You get it with the, our discussion of slavery in this country. You mentioned slavery. People are like, but what about abolition? We got oh, rid of slavery. No. Like, both things happened. Yes. We yeah. both sent three million Africans across the Atlantic mm. and exploited them and created permanent disadvantage in the Caribbean. And we banned yes. slavery and yeah. went around the world uh, making sure so other countries also banned it. Mm. Both things can be true. I was so, because well, I absolutely had no idea, but the idea that with the empire we instituted homophobic laws in countries where we now would protest like, oh, you know that it's illegal to be gay That's the most British thing I've heard, isn't it? It's just like, oh, yeah, don't do that. Okay, no, uh, yeah, maybe you can do that. It's just whatever we decide is fine. Whatever sort of, at the time, sort of questions power. Yeah. That's why I think your book is so fascinating because there was so much that I didn't know and it's it's so interesting to know. You don't have to have an emotional reaction but you do have to have the information. Yeah, it's just facts, isn't it? Yeah. There's so much stuff in the news at the moment where, where you go, oh my God, it's because of empire and no one's mentioning it, like Yemen. Yeah. yeah. We, we had a, a base in Aden. Oh my God. And did some terrible things then. Palestine, guess what? We helped to create that. There's a war yeah. about to take off in Guyana because mm. of the borders we drew up during yeah. the empire there. The empire, empire podcast starts at um, the British East India Company, goes right. through the history of India, and then they just did... Um, I've just finished the Ottomans and literally as a British person listen to it every time they hit something you're like oh it was us wasn't it what happened now <laughs> and they've got an episode yeah. about is um, the creation of Israel Sykes-Pico yeah. and they're literally describing men in an office in Westminster with crayons and a map yeah. drawing a line and then Nita at one point is like sorry no it wasn't it wasn't just that. And a historian's mm. like, yeah, Sykes Peak, they just had some crayons and a line and a map and people who'd never been there going well that will be that that's their country yeah. and that's their country and everyone going yeah, I mean, you, Brilliant. you don't think about it. Why are the lines so straight yes, in Africa? Because somebody because yeah. someone's drawing them. He yeah. wasn't in Africa. Yeah, but also my favorite story on that front is like Nigeria. The name Nigeria. Yes. Mm. yes. A, a Times leader writer came up with it. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. maybe we should call this area Nigeria. Yeah. And it happened. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. To go back to English passengers, I yes. really didn't know anything about Tasmania or Van Diemen's land as it was called at the time and I obviously knew the history of like as in British convicts were taken to Australia. The cemetery here is quite beautiful so Carriad and I met in a amateur production of Our Country's Good which is a play by Timberlake Wurtenbaker about the first fleet and so it's a play that is about so on the first fleet um, you know, convicts who most of them done very, very little and were impoverished, um, got to Australia and uh, a captain, and this is true, tried to put on a play yeah. with them because he thought that if he could teach them to speak properly and respect themselves, they'd be more civilized, basically, the convicts. Yeah. They would uh, be, become better human beings. And, you know, drama is actually a very good tool for empathy in general. <laughs> he would have got Arts Council funding, is what we're <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> but, it's a but, great idea. But the play also has an Indigenous character mm. sort of responding who talks about, you know, 
dream time and thinking that they're ghosts mm. you know and that's the thing with the first fleet they thought they were ghost ships full of ghost people and had no idea how awful things were going to become so that's where we met yeah mm. oh wow yeah. so yeah. this is i can see this is, this relevant. is old territory yes. for us yeah <laughs> yeah we nicknamed it our country's bad because it was not the best production <laughs> but english passengers so this idea of tasmania and the indigenous people of tasmania who were essentially completely wiped out yes completely because i think when you think of australia you know that there are still indigenous people there and you know it was obviously terrible but to for me to understand oh they completely wiped a complete island out of people yeah yeah i should explain some of the history i mean some thing is there is a revival of tasmanian indigenous culture yes because not everyone was wiped out there was interracial relationships and so on basically when you talk about Bachemba, people often say well you know it wasn't that bad we didn't have like a genocide and you're like God, actually so we had a genocide and not only that genocide was used to legally yes. define genocides when the international law was oh, made God. like four to eight thousand people were completely wiped out they were hunted for sport for pleasure wiped out by disease raped used as target practice there's one image that I just can't get in my head is that one settler decapitated a Tasmanian uh, indigenous person and made the wife wear the head as oh, a necklace. Oh my God. And not only that, they were used as racial exhibits, mm. which this book picks up on. Yes. They were seen as examples, uh, illustrations of new, uh, newfangled racial theories mm. and they were seen yeah. as the lowest of the low. And... Not only were they wiped out, their bodies and their skeletons yeah. were then put were on display. Up and there was one on display yeah. until 1947. Yeah. I was looking up before I came here. And a, a museum in Britain somewhere only just gave back one of the last survivors like necklace and bracelet. And even more shocking is that now in this new culture war, we have an empire with right wingers defending empire. We now have Tasmanian genocide denial. You've got <laughs> self-proclaimed historians, I'm not going to mention them, sell their books, claiming that actually... The Brits didn't do that much bad stuff. It all happened kind of naturally because of disease. The consensus among the experts yeah. absolutely was a deliberate genocide. But, but the line, the idea of this line that mm. happens in this book and of literally deciding we're going to walk, all these farmers are going to walk a line and chase them into a corner over mm. an island. Like they have evidence of that. That happened. It happened. And the last few were sent off to this tiny little island. Yeah, that was awful. And also we have proof of the thinking beforehand which underlies it all, which is, as you say, is the sort of the idea on race. Yeah, yeah. And that there being sort of races that were like a cul-de-sac and evolution or, as you say, lower, literally less, feeling less, thinking less. Yeah, in, it was, they defined it as inferior, didn't they? Which yeah. is why they were so interested in the, the skeletons and digging, because they didn't consider them human. I mean, that's why genocide happens it's a, a one race deciding you are not human we can do what we like to you yeah and this is another thing british people really struggle with the idea that british empire was proudly racist yeah yeah and i say in my new book that british empire is probably the most influential instigator and propagator of white supremacy in the history of the mm -hmm. world we, were. we find it struggle with that because i think world war ii we took on the evil racist germans america seems to be much worse about race than us what's very interesting is that you know the germans didn't in, invent genocide. They took these genocide. They didn't even invent concentration as, camps. As we did. Racial yeah, like. science had a very British flavour. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was developed largely in Britain. It then went off to America and Germany yes. where it developed its own dark flavours. But we created a lot mm. of racial science. We got very excited about Darwin. Darwin himself yes, yeah. wasn't into all this. No. But his theories were hijacked. And you've yeah, got you one of the characters him, in the book yeah, yeah. who just takes it. Seemingly to extreme degrees, but actually it's yeah. pretty much based on a, a real scientist who did that. Wow. Um, but honestly, if you're like me and you have to go around 
talking on the media about how British Empire was racist. Mm. People don't want to hear that. The book is it's told from all these different points of view. 20, is it? 20 yeah. points? Yeah, and it should from? fail because oh my 20 God. different characters, yeah. all of them writing in a different form. It yeah. should fail, yeah. but and, it or, doesn't. And, and Some also, come back more than others. When I read the description of like how, you know, Victorian language, Dickensian yeah, language... Yeah. Um, English Manx there's uh, all these Isle of yes, Man characters yeah. speaking in Manx I, I thought oh, so before I started it I was like oh no it's we were annoyed when like, we picked up we were like mm. what is that we up, oh my god and actually yeah. it's, it's it all feels like authentic people talking to you you really feel like you're getting almost diary I mean, one character you are getting his journal notes yeah. aren't you also it's very 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 funny yeah, yeah. it's Manxman, really funny what's his name Ilium Quilliam Cooley the best name <laughs> He's Captain so Ilium funny. Quilliam Cooley yeah I love that took me so long I kept rereading his name being like it's not William it's Ilium I need Ilium. to get my head around this so I should, we should describe maybe what happens in the book basically yes. it describes a hapless journey mm-hmm. in 1857 from England to Tasmania yeah, yeah. Um, there's different people on the boat there for different reasons yep. the manxman Ilium quilliam Cooley, is basically trying to escape the tax man right yeah <laughs> he was only trying to get to france but then he got in trouble and so now he's have to agree to take some mad english people to tasmania, to tasmania. he hates the english he hates yeah. them and you've got this very annoying clergyman wilson a pompous prat he wants to go to Tasmania to prove that the Garden of Eden yeah, exists and thereby yeah. prove Darwinism wrong. Mm. There's a doctor, Dr. Potter, who's developing these weird but very common theories on race, on, on which races are better than others. And he, Potter and Wilson argue all the time. Uh, you've got Timothy Renshaw, a young botanist, who's sent on the trip by his dad to kind of build his character, doesn't really want to be there. Um, and then you've got Pive, who's the indigenous Tasmanian, the child of a... Tasmanian and a kind of a settler, basically a rapist. Yeah. yeah. And that's the extraordinary thing about this book because the hardest thing about reviving this history is that the colonised don't have a voice often. Yeah, yeah. They didn't leave documents. The enslaved, we just don't have the documentation of how they felt. But Matthew Neal, who turns out when I looked on Wikipedia is an amazing linguist, recreates yeah. this entire language, yeah. which is actually very accessible for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Of how this kid might have talked and it's yeah. amazing and it's funny yeah and the character of pive because initially when i started i was like oh this is a white man writing an indigenous is this gonna feel like suddenly uncomfortable but i didn't find it uncomfortable because i think it's such a well-rounded character like all of them have a very distinct way of speaking in a way that you don't you know as soon as you read their chapter you don't need to you can instantly tell who's talking to you and pive's version of events is so heartbreaking and so sad and I think what is good about this in terms of understanding empire is the characters are not, it's not binary. It's not this man's evil. Pive is, you know, a wonderful indigenous person. You see, like you said, that the Reverend Jeffrey Wilson thinks, he genuinely well, thinks he's doing good. It's called sincerity. Yeah. And that <laughs> no. is like the biggest flag of these people thought they were doing good or yeah. some people thought they were doing good. These aren't stories of evil people setting out to do evil. No, you can ne- that's what history never is. That's thinking thing. you are helping. Yeah. Being, and the, um, this is what the empire was for a lot yeah, of people, yeah. the civilising mission, yeah. Yeah. spreading 
Christianity, yeah. anti-slavery, yeah. British values, which went on into the 20th century, probably goes on now. Yeah, and they the way they keep talking about how they're trying to help the Aboriginal Tasmanians and how that they won't wear the clothes and they won't go to church and they yes. won't learn the, oh, yeah. the Psalms. The complete lack of any thought of what someone else might think of you. Someone who is not white well, and English well, might have an opinion. Infantilising yeah. other adults. Oh, it's just and, and, then, and then wondering why they aren't, aren't, aren't grateful or like, I love there's constant description about the clothes they try and give them. And Pive always being like, they're so stu- these clothes are so stupid. And they just let them rip. And, everyone, and, you, and then, um, you know, Wilson being like so annoyed. You know, we've given them, how ungrateful. We gave them clothes. They're not even wearing them or well, taking know, care of I them. I know. So my dad lives in Australia. My husband is a Greek Australian. There's still massive issues in Australia mm. with mm. You know, sort of white Europeans and people who were born in Australia and then the First Nations. So then this is a horrible example of that. But essentially a musician who gets funding to go to Alice Springs and t- take instruments and teach First Nation children. Right. And then um, they started locking up the instruments when they left because they oh. didn't think they were being treated properly. So like the saxophones and stuff, they can wow. only play them. When the white person is there. To when the say white you person is them. there and, they, mm. and making sure they play them properly. Wow. And the mixture of emotions. And again, as we're talking about you know, two things being true at once, they think they're giving this amazing gift of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of jazz. You know what these people really need? <laughs> I mean, look, we've given them so much and we've taken so much, but we haven't given back jazz. And, and charity in general, actually, I think that's why, I mean, I think that's one of the most sort of mind blowing for, for me to read and probably for lots of people to read about the origin of lots of. British charities being exact, yes, exactly your chapter on Save the Children with, and Empire World oh, I was like yeah. oh yeah, I was really God. shocked to discover that yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, again mm. it makes perfect sense yeah it makes perfect sense it makes yeah. perfect sense and like you say in Empire World like how many charities England has how many NGO like yeah, international charities high amount yes. and you're yeah. like direct legacy of Empire yeah. yeah and then when you said that I was like and the same oh, people that makes the so same much people sense. setting them up after yeah. you know yeah, a lot other of things being shut went down. Went straight from Empire to running charities. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Save the Children is just one example, but I mean, their 1931 Save an African Child conference, where they invited almost no Africans. Yeah. And one that man stood up and argued with them. One black person yeah. was there, a black American, and he was dragged off stage yeah. for telling the truth, mm. which is that you're only there to make money out of black yeah. people. And he's dragged off stage. Yeah. But the shocking thing is how there was a similar African conference, conference mm. in our time, mm. in the modern day. And equally, there weren't many Africans there because of the visa issues. <laughs> so it continues. Yeah. But we, this is the thing, as a nation, we go around and, you know, offering our expertise, talking about charity and human rights and democracy. Mm. We need to reflect upon our really dodgy records mm. on all these yeah. things during the British Empire. Talking of dodgy records, literally the Live Aid song. Oh, the saying, Live Aid that you talk about in Empire so World. Which is so funny. Yeah. And again, it's funny because it's not funny. But the, the language of the Live Aid song that all of us, it still gets played every Christmas. Every saying, Christmas. Saying no snow in Africa, like Africa is one place. And as you point out, Kilimanjaro has snow, snow 365 days a year. Like, But this is where I, I feel slightly bad for having written my chapter on, on charities in Empire World because no sector beats itself up more than charities. Yeah. They've done this work. Mm. Yeah. They've been worrying about this stuff for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my favourite story is about Save the Children is that mm. they commissioned Ken Loach to do a documentary oh, yes, on yeah. Save the Children. And yeah. guess what? He did. He made something yeah. damning. Too much. And then they too, suppressed too the film truth. for decades. That was incredible. Yeah. But yeah. now, recently, they've released it. And not only that, all the criticism is on the website. Yeah. And 
I think charities are very on it with decolonization. Yes. There was a Twitter account for Charity So White. Did you follow that? Yes, I do. Because yeah. it is a painful process of improving and learning and getting better. And the trouble is actually, and again, I will include myself in this. Um, when you think of yourself as one of the good guys in inverted commas, it's really hard to be criticised because you're like, yeah. me? There's murderers out there. And actually, you do have to sort of absorb even the fact that it hurts because you have to understand that that's what other people are doing. You know, Absolutely, but, yeah. yeah. What you do in Empire World, and, and Matthew Neal does this as well, and I'm not saying that things can't be educational and dry because they can and still be important but empire world is really entertaining at the same time as talking about those things yeah and i think i think sometimes and i include myself in this you know you should know something yeah and you yeah. should find out more about it but you go oh i think i'll feel like i'm being told off or i'll feel bad about things i can't really help with or well, academics write really inaccessibly yeah it's everywhere i mean i spent two years reading a lot of academics, some historians write beautifully, but lots of them don't. They're trying to stick to the facts. Well, they're talking to other academics, so they need to write a certain way. But I do think what you've done with Empire Land and Empire World is reduce it to a way that is like, I'm talking about something that you tea and rum and save mm. the children, things that are tangible in the world rather than like in 1875, it is easy to switch off to that because it does seem, again, if it's not in your, oh, what's the word, like your nutrition as a child, yeah. it's hard to grasp what that means. Mm. You know, whereas if you say, oh, a factory in Victorian England, we all know exactly what that means. So if someone's trying to tell us a story about that. It's easy for us to access that but because we don't get a lot of that when we're growing up or now, even now in, you know, modern dialogue. Mm. It's hard to go, oh, OK, yeah, Nigerian 875, what was happening? Like, I can't quite get my head around it. Mm. And this is the thing about, I think, English passengers in that. You know, because it won the 2000 Whitbread Book of the Year. It was a Booker finalist, yes. Yes. Lost Out to the Blind Assassin yeah. by Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood. I googled that on the way here to find yeah. out who won it that year because you'd never be an Atwood. <laughs> I think this, if it was submitted this year, would mm. win the Booker Prize. Yes, I agree with you. I think it came early. Yeah. It came early. It was way ahead of its time. Way yeah. ahead. Now there's sudden interest in, oh yeah. my God, we need to give voices to the voiceless and yeah. colonialism. And this book is so prophetic yeah and it needs people need to read it again yeah. everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There were incidences in the beginning where I thought it's interesting that we can only hear about this from a male character. I like agree. Yeah, yeah. Pive's description. Yeah. 
of what happened to his mother mm-hmm. means we are one stage removed. Because I was imagining for an author, if he was to write it from her point of view... And she's real. She's, she's based on, on a, a real character, the woman, the, his mother. Yeah, who but, went then, but then suddenly the book is not quite a, yeah. such a yarn. Yeah. This is my problem with culture, at the risk of sounding a bit like the Daily Mail. Sure. My problem with the cultural appropriation. I think all yeah. culture is appropriation. Mm. I think writers have to yes. get into the imaginations of, of cultures they're not from. Yeah. And it's absolutely necessary because when a culture has been wiped out, mm. well, some people, obviously it's been revived in some ways in Tasmania, you need people to access it. Mm. Obviously it's not perfect, mm. but I'd rather have imperfect Yes. This kind of version of it than yeah. nothing at all, which is what we've got. And I think also what this book is doing, if he was only writing the indigenous Tasmanian story, I would be like, oh, <laughs> maybe there's other people here. But because yeah. he is writing a very British side of it as well and including Pive in the argument, I do think, like you said, it's perfectly imperfect that it would be mad for him to only tell the Aboriginal side what he can do and has access to is tell why these men turned up. But I had the same thought. There's only one chapter by a woman. Yeah, I And know. I did think... I thought there was not so going to be any. I thought, yeah. oh, it's a decision. It's just going to be male voices. No, there is one woman who pops up who yeah. is kind of hideous. <laughs> yeah, that might be one way in which the book is slightly aged. Yeah. That probably wouldn't happen now. Um, and I, when I was researching as well, when I found out P- basically what happened to Pivo's mother, she was a real... She was considered one of the last Tasmanian Aboriginals and she did get guns and get yeah. a rebel alliance together yeah. and then was you know, defeated and put on an island and died and was stuck there. And what the bones think that's what happened to her. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's interesting that, that obviously Matthew Neal had researched and had based that on someone, but we don't hear. But then I was like, God, is her story, would it just be a howl? <laughs> Whereas Pive gives you such a different, yes. sto- it's a good storytelling, right? response to it. Because he also doesn't know, he doesn't yes. understand, he doesn't exactly. know he's from a white, his dad is a white settler yeah. until he's older. So you're dealing with this, which is the legacy yeah. of the Tasmanian indigenous people there's a a book called um i think it's called woman in berlin i thought of it a lot actually when you were talking in empire world about how historians who research certain parts of history are traumatized but by the amount of horrific things human beings do to human beings so um it's the diary of a journalist She, she published it anonymously but it was what happened to the women the german women especially young women, when the Russian soldiers came oh, through God, after. Yeah. And it's just a barrage yeah. of sexual Awfulness. assault and hiding. And you couldn't put that in as a chapter. <laughs> in yeah. like a 20 voiced, yeah. you know, uh, there are some things that once you've heard that point of view, it has to mm. carry on reverberating. You can't then go, and then what's the vicar up to? Well, it's a difference between fiction and, and historical fact, mm, isn't mm. it? It's like here he is telling a story and he is trying. And that, like you said, is so important to get people to understand empire. You can't keep shoving horrible facts oh, at them yeah. you have to also that's what this book does so well sit them down and you have to bring them in bring them in I mean, is, the uh, fact yeah. is the Tasmanian genocide is a, st- a story of rape yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. sexual assault was a huge part of it mm. well war is usually yeah, your war usually rape. is yeah. yeah but how do you get people to pick up a book yeah well, like it's already a book about genocide yeah. yeah but like you said about film right at the yeah. beginning film is an, a form of entertainment which doesn't mean we don't have a you know a huge spectrum of emotions and we can't feel things. And like you say, that's why you don't swerve and sidestep it. Mm. You make art that makes people feel well, it. It's, it's the telling of also... the stories, isn't it? Yeah. It's like because he's given us Pive and he's given us the understanding of the consequences of that sexual assault. It's I think it's not easier to empathise, but it, it opens up another part of your empathy. In writing Pive, you suddenly get this understanding of the consequence of all these actions. And that's actually what we have to focus on is, well, 
what now? What happens to these people legacy. now? The yeah. legacy of that. How do we deal with that? So Pive becomes this absolutely... He's everything. You know, all these other people can go home. Like they can mm. go back on that boat, can't they? They're going back to the Isle of Man. And yes, they've lost their this and they, some of them fall down mountains and all this stuff happens. But Pive is still there in mm. like, you just turned up to my party, shot on the floor and left. <laughs> like, yeah. what do I do? And that's, I thought Pive was such a brilliant character. I really, really, I really wanted him to be okay yeah. so yeah. badly, knowing he's not. He's I was, not I was be reading okay. on Wikipedia that Matthew Neal, um, is the grandson of a Nazi dissident. And I wow. think that shows. Yeah, that's There's a real kind of moral energy to the book. Yeah. Did you read the end where the scientist who's yes. into the racial theories yeah. are based on a real guy? And also how, you know, these racial scientists saw the Tasmanians as the lowest of the low. Yeah. But then he publishes a letter written oh, yes. about a Tasmanian, a, 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 a child, child from Tasmania who's, who's taken who's sent to, to Britain to be educated. And there's a letter from his, from his teachers basically saying yeah. this kid is Great. a brilliant student. Thereby proving, again, yeah. these racial theories are complete nonsense. Also, it's interesting in a book about empire that's making you think pretty hard things. I thought it was very interesting to place a hopeful letter at the end that a man at that time didn't agree. A man at that time took that child in, educated him, obviously respected him, thought he was brilliant. But that doesn't take away from the consequences of the actions of the people who had the power that did the things. It's not a depressing book. No, I don't think it because is. because Dr. Potter... Oh God, meets, he's so evil. Meets the best possible <laughs> ending. Isn't it the most satisfying ending I love to that. any book? I, re- I was like almost cheering. Yeah, I was like, I was punching yes! the air. Yeah. <laughs> but the humour never, ever, ever feels flippant. No, like no. it's a deviation from telling the truth. It's just sometimes the truth is funny. Yeah. It's my favourite kind of writing in that it's the characters lead the humour. Matthew Neal's not trying to tell a gag. No, he's not like, <laughs> yes. no, it would be hilarious. Two guys on a boat, one <laughs> so of them's a vicar. This... And this is always a sign of a really wonderful work of fiction that when you're not reading it, they the characters still feel very yeah, alive yeah. and with you. It's a kind of parody of those adventure accounts of, yes. of, 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 of empire that were really popular in the Victorian age. Yeah. And you've got that excitement. Despite yes, what's yeah, happening, yeah. you've got mm. that sense of adventure. Are they going to make it? Yeah, will which, the boat survive this storm? Makes you want to carry on reading it, yeah. which is why these memoirs did so well in the Victorian age. But mm. then you've got the profound irony that you've got a vicar trying to find the Garden of Eden. And actually what he finds is a hell created by the settlers yeah. and British imperialists. For Neil to add in the detail with Wilson, because Wilson is this horrific vicar. He's horrible. He's so slimy and awful. But just the absolute, I was laughing my head off at, like he really believes his wife is missing him. <laughs> <laughs> that storyline where he keeps going I must send her a letter she'll be so worried she'd be but yeah. she couldn't wave me off she'd already gone to her sisters and they had very important business and they actually helped me pack and you're like I love that kind of again, I love it when he's, he's, he's imprisoned with Culey for two months oh, God that was so funny so that funny. was so funny and Culey's like the man just won't stop praying yeah he won't even talk to me he's talking to God all the time yeah and then it turns out anyway I don't want to give away it yeah he's actually not, not even chained There's also a botanist. Yes, yeah. yes. I know uh, there's a whole chapter on botany in my book. Yes, it was yeah. fascinating. But that's something I didn't know about. <laughs> you yeah. did, and definitely I did. I only know because reader. of the books that's come out this uh, last year. There was lots of books about, yeah, the kind of imperial nature of gardening and and a few, oh, the role of Kew Gardens yeah. in particular. Yeah, I mean, we, British Empire was spread. I mean, one of the ways, profound ways, it was spread was through plants. So. Yeah. Through cinchona, which produced quinine, we, which enabled the colonization of Africa. Yeah, because before that, people would just have died just of died malaria. Of malaria. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There's a stat. Apparently, a European in Mali in the mid 19th century had a 300% chance of annual mortality. I think that meant that you would survive for four months yeah. before you died. Wow. But then uh, quinine is discovered. 
which yeah. means that the Europeans can colonise Africa. Mm. My step-nan, she mm. got quinine poisoning from too much gin and tonic. Oh, wow. My most surprising discovery in Empire World, people often say. Oh, yeah. I've said yes. this myself. Yeah. Gin and tonic is a legacy of the Empire. Oh, yeah, people yeah. drank it to be protected. It's not true. Gin and tonic was never taken uh, out in the field yeah. because there's not enough tonic in a gin and tonic. There's not enough quinine. Yeah. But um, quinine was taken with alcohol, just never gin. Mm. Some entrepreneur, I think, came up with the idea of gin and tonic separately. Do you remember the those two fat ladies, the cooks? Yeah. One of them, I think it's Clarissa Dixon, right? So she went to the doctor and she, she said this story and um, didn't know what was wrong with her. And he was like, well, it's very strange. You're showing all the signs of quinine poisoning. Yeah. And he was like, but to do that, you'd have to be drinking, oh my God, like two bottles of gin a day. Yeah. And she was like, oh. And she was yeah. giving her heart murmurs, yeah, yeah, because of the really quinine was ahead of alcohol poisoning. Yeah, it was the quinine <laughs> affecting her in the tonic because her drink of choice was gin and tonic. Yeah. So that's what caused and it. And if you have a lot of tonic in it, you can glug it all day. <laughs> <laughs> but then you got rubber. I mean, huge profits made by the British. But also, a war starts in Malaya, mm. the Malayan Emergency, one of the darkest episodes in British Empire. Then you got tea, which led to war with China, the loss yeah. of the American colonies. Uh, the change of the diet in India and the UK, the creation of modern marketing, the exploitation of labour, which continues mm. in the same places today. Mm. And so these are all plants. Yeah. And then you, a lot of our common garden plants, like rhododendrons and azaleas, come from empire. Mm. Oh, ferns, yeah, yeah, yeah. They come from empire. Yeah. There's such a demand for ferns in Victorian drawing rooms that a lot of forests around the world were trampled. And one of the most bizarre things I discovered writing about this is that this destruction then led to the invention of environmentalism. Again, you mad? point out that in that very colonialist way, when you know British people are worried about the environment of animals, we just take another swathe of another country's land and yeah. go, yeah, this is protected now. Yeah, you were talking like national parks, which we've grown up with, like, oh, it's that's good, they've got a national park, but yeah, you, can't poachers, hunt, poachers, you can't hunt yeah. things. And you've yeah. been like, yeah, and then the people who live there can't live and manage and it's not, it. And it's not, not and ours like, to take. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, but it's such a... Yeah, I think a national park summarises how you cannot talk about empire in a simplistic way. So yeah. the British Empire yeah. imperialists created national parks. Seems like a good thing, protecting plants mm. and animals. But actually, they're created often by hunters mm. who would destroy the animals in the first place. Mm. And then when they were created, the indigenous people there weren't allowed to hunt, although they were blamed for the problems. Yes. Yeah. And then they weren't allowed to, nowadays they're not allowed to live there. So that's a form of colonialism. And, and the thing with you know, indigenous people, that kind of hunting is only ever survival hunting. They're not going to wipe out a species because then they've got nothing to but eat. But also they manage the land. The other thing, like really mm. about what happened yeah. in Tasmania and the way they used to burn the land and like maintain it, they knew how to work that yeah. land. And then we come along and we don't know how to work it. In the same mm. way that we put the clothes on them and go, well, that should fit you. Well, the, our farming should fit you. It's mm. such an, it's so arrogant. Yeah. Now we lecture the world on environmentalism. I know, I know. And we destroyed large swathes of the world. It's so embarrassing I think we to can be British. The world, so yeah. the time. can we not reflect on the fact that we destroyed 60% of New Zealand forest. Yeah. That the tea plantations yeah. in Sri Lanka, you know, now have landslides because yeah. we took away the natural plants. Yeah. It would help our case if we just acknowledge the history. I guess that's that's the only argument I'm making. I don't think yeah. we should beat ourselves up about it yeah. too much. But can we just talk about it? Yeah. For me, it's the royal family and animals. <gasps> I had no idea that, that he bloody shot a... That Prince Philip shot a tiger, tiger I think 1961. And, and, and it wasn't put on the news. The BBC protected him because they knew what a huge effect that would have. I'm so, I'm so furious about it. It's, it's too much so, to be furious with like them Prince about. Prince William, Duke of Edinburgh, God yeah. bless him. Um, you know, Prince Charles, King Charles, they all talk about animals and the environment a lot. Mm. Their family, 
yeah. involved a huge amount of hunting. Yes. We'd spare. <laughs> and one of the arguments that William and Harry get into is who gets Africa? As in who is in charge of mm. publicly speaking about like doing good mm. work there? So Africa, <laughs> like it's one place. And that, yeah. that's what is said in spare. William gets pissed off with Harry because he starts encroaching and Africa and environment is his. That's what he talks about publicly. And that for me, again, that, that mindset is like, we have to unpick that mindset. It's, it's a not mindset. It's not yours. Yeah. Also, can we have a look around your houses, guys? It's quite a lot of ivory. Well, you say, you sort of say, <laughs> quite like, a lot they sort of, of put it all away in the, in the Buckingham Palace. Like, yeah. We all go to do. these stately homes to admire the mahogany. We almost yeah. made the mahogany uh, forest extinct because of all the mahogany furniture we made, mm. which we now we coo over in National Trust houses. It, again, it's very hard when you've been fed a narrative your whole life. And then when you start looking, you realise that narrative isn't true. Like there is a moment of anger and shock and denial. Like, I know I don't want it to be true. But to understand that the narrative has been fed by lots of different institutions. And sorry to go on about the Ottomans. <laughs> but like there was a big on. thing about the, um, that Henry VIII and they were very enthralled to the Ottoman court. And they like lots of people were dressing in Ottoman um, attire and there's paintings. And they're not on display at Hampton Court. Because we don't want to see Henry VIII dressed as an Ottoman. We want to see him in the outfits we know him, painted by the painters that we know. And that just small thing is like those tiny details of someone curating the experience that you get is how we get to the idea that Henry VIII is like great British king and we were really important. And you know that the Ottomans were like, oh yeah, there's some English people over there, but they're not that also, interesting I mean, to us. Like, there were black people in Henry VIII's court. Yes. If someone had mentioned that, it might have... I might have been able to see myself yeah. in the history lessons. Yeah. yeah. Also, if someone had mentioned the millions of Asians and Indians who yeah. died in World War I and World War II, mm. that might have made the two years of teaching and all the Remembrance Day services more interesting to mm -hmm. us, a racially diverse audience. Not once you know. was it mentioned. And then we had, Bern when I was at school, Bernard Manning appearing on Mrs. Merton's show saying there weren't any Pakis at Dunkirk. And it's like, well, you're correct in that Pakistan didn't exist. <laughs> That but there way you were Indians yeah. at Dunkirk. Yeah. But that's the level of the of but, the amnesia yeah. that yeah. that can happen on BBC But that too. happened very recently with the... Lawrence Bloody Fox. Yeah. 1917. Shocked. He was shocked that there was a Sikh. Yeah. Guess what? Was, Quite a few yeah. Sikhs were yeah. involved in World War yeah. One and 2. And he said that isn't true and it was like... <laughs> it literally was I love true. it when yeah, it's um, true. uneducated people, bigots, uneducated bigots want to argue with people who've done a lot of research. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but unfortunately, I, oh, I don't know. I don't feel like it changed. You know, his platform is built on just no. saying the thing that it's is like inflammatory. Donald Trump's whole yeah. career is built built on a on a lie. So we all recommend English Passengers. Oh I'd gosh, say. Uh, it's, isn't it great? I'm so glad you liked yeah, it. Yeah, I loved it. I, I really also, hope there's yeah. a film producer listening. I'm amazed. It's not a television. Film. It should be a television show. I could see Cumberbatch as uh, Wilson. Oh yeah, oh, God, he'd yeah, be very be good, good as Wilson, well. So. I really enjoyed it. And Empire World as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. Loved. They're very, very good companion pieces. Like lots of people, I want to be having more conversations about this. And my lack of information stops me. So I read a book by Empire World and I feel like I could say to someone, do you know about Queenie? <laughs> <laughs> I do think it helps to be, to just think if there's a problem in the world, it probably started with Britain being there. <laughs> I approach all yes. problems now. Yeah. Where were we? Yeah. I'm just like, the moment I hear something, yeah. where were, where was Britain? What did we do? Mm. Yeah. Like a mum with a bad kid. Tell me yeah. what happened. I've got it. I know. It was definitely our fault some some point yes. in the line. When yeah. did we push them? We gave them cricket though. <laughs> and football, 60% of the nations who play football is because of the British Empire. 
I'd like to apologise for both those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two things I could be less interested in. <laughs> yeah. Empire World is out now, as is Empire Land, the first book, which is equally brilliant. And English Passengers is very much available since the year 2000. <laughs> so. Yeah, I hope they bring out a new print of it. Yeah. I hope it becomes a movie anyway. Yeah, because this. Go out and read it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Weirdos Book Club. Empire World is out now. My novel, Weirdo, and Cariad's book, You Are Not Alone, are both available now. And I have a live event for Weirdo at the South Bank Centre in London, and tickets are on sale now. Check out our Instagram, at Sarah and Cariad's Weirdos Book Club, for the upcoming books we're going to be discussing. Thank, Thank you, you for, for reading, reading with us. We, we like, like reading, reading with you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and... Uh, it might be, uh, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands. <laughs>